This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's morning show, Now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Last week, the Ontario government's throne speech included a promise to increase the Ontario Disability Support Program by 5%. One of more than 230 groups that have been urging the government to raise ODSP rates was the Income Security Advocacy Centre. Devorah Koblick is the Senior Policy Analyst for the Advocacy Centre and joins us now. Hey, Devorah, thank you very much for making time to be with us today. We're grateful. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me. So let's just start with the simple question. What was your reaction to this announcement or this promise in the throne speech last week? Um, I think it was a government province or a, a election province promise. So we knew it was coming. Um, but as you can see from our open letter, it's it's simply not enough. So in that open letter, what were you calling for? So we were calling for both uh, Ontario Works rates and ODSP rates to be raised, but also to double the rates so that people can have enough money to survive and meet their basic needs. When we're talking about doubling the rate, what would that look like for the average person on ODSP or Ontario Works? So if we look for someone on ODSP, it would bring them uh, 2022 estimates for Toronto's market basket measure, which is um, the measure of poverty line. That would, if we doubled the rates for ODSP, that would bring them just over the poverty line. So that tells you how low the rates are right now. People are living uh, well below the poverty line in what we call deep poverty. And um, if if they doubled it, it would just bring them above the poverty line. Uh, For OW rates, it would bring them just about 20,000. So they'd still be about 8,000 down from from the poverty line. And again, those are Toronto figures. What's the landscape been like for the last decade or so, or even more precisely the last five years when it comes to increasing these rates for individuals as the cost of living continues to go up? Uh, It's been pretty bleak, actually, since the 90s. Um, You know, we see 1% increases from time to time, 2%. um, But because the rates aren't pegged to inflation, they're not keeping up with the cost of living. Uh, the real value of those rates are going down. It's becoming uh, exacerbated right now. I was listening to your segment before talking about the rising costs of groceries and housing. Um, so they're, they're simply not keeping up and there hasn't been a significant commitment to raising the incomes of people on social assistance for, for really, this is a three decade problem that we've mm-hmm. got right now. What kind of conversations do organizations like yours end up having with either bureaucrats or even government representatives uh, in regards to trying to tackle this issue? So I think whenever we uh, engage in advocacy, we, we really talk about how, um, you know, people deserve to live with dignity, that it is becoming virtually impossible uh, for people on ODS, on OW who are at $733, it is virtually impossible to survive, um, to pay for food, to pay for housing, to pay for medical supplies, to pay for transport. Um, for people on ODSP who have slightly higher rates, we have to remember that that is to take account for the extra cost of living with disability. And they're still having a very tough time. And we've heard this during the pandemic um, right from the beginning in March, 2020. So we 
we talk to bureaucrats and when we advocate, we say, look, this is the situation people are in. You really do have to raise these rates so that people can achieve uh, some level of basic stability and and survive. It's really becoming a matter of survival at this point. Yeah, it, it's something that, that I think about as as even someone who has a disability, who has some some privilege here, having having a decent sure. job, I, I, I still have to re- rely on the fact that I have to live in big city cores, right? Like, like there's a yeah. lot of people either on OW or on ODSP who need to live in big city cores just to access services they need. So so it's almost as if that's get, that gets totally left out of the conversation in regards to the social needs of people with disabilities or on OW. Well, and I... That example that you've just given reminds me of an example where someone said uh, that they couldn't afford the transit to get to the food bank. That was how like bleak their situation was because the food bank was so far from where they were. So people are either not able to access services because they're not in their environment or they they've had to like this is this is exactly the transport that i'm talking about is is one of the core issues mm, for mm. for people yeah even like 325 for a for a bus ticket in toronto or it's, i think it's up to almost 375 or four dollars for a bus trip in the ottawa area that's that's a lot that that's a lot of money for a one-way trip that and that can that can take a huge chunk out of out of people's uh, income and earnings uh, i i'm i'm curious here and, and i apologize if this goes out of the scope of your research or advocacy but what mm. are some of the bigger impacts impacts that happen here when you're putting people in such desperate economic situations? Well, um, I think we can say disability, you know, people who have disabilities have higher rates of poverty in this country, double the rate, in fact. Um, And so we say, you know, disability uh, can cause poverty and it doesn't have to, right? But also poverty can create disability. So this is um, people who are living at these really... uh, low incomes for for years at a time you see their lives become smaller they can't contribute to their communities in the ways that they would like to they can't participate in their communities the way they would like to um they are living i hear often people who are living off one meal a day and it's not necessarily a very good meal um they're going to have increased health concerns with that um they can't plan for the future uh the people with disabilities that i work with are all um incredibly, you know, unique, talented, contributing, uh, creative people who have a lot to offer, but when they're living in destitution, uh, they can't actually fully participate in their society. And I think like we all lose out from that, but it's also just, um, a very undignified life for them. They're not, they're not, you know, at the max of where they would like to be. Coming back to your call to double the number of, of what people are receiving in monthly assistance. Where do we go from here and how can people become better allies and better advocates in regards to trying to create better economic certainty for people on OW and ODSP? So I think um, people need to realize that um, putting people in destitution is not benefiting anyone. Uh, this means that people are forced to use um, more services, you know, food banks, shelters, this is all kind of temporary. When you're, when you're living in a food bank or a shelter, that's not, that's not a, a, a stable lifestyle. So it's in everybody's best interest to advocate to their government, um, to their MPPs, to their local officials, um, to then also pressure the, the provincial government to raise the rates so that people can become more autonomous uh, and remain autonomous. I think just looking at the numbers, 
We know that during the pandemic, the government has saved 814 million due to reduced caseloads. So they have some maneuverability to raise these rates. Um, on top of that, uh, the 2022-23 first quarter fiscal update that was released the same day as the budget uh, when it was reintroduced showed $1.2 billion in extra and unexpected revenues since April from taxation. So the government has over $2 billion right now to play with, and we are asking that some of that go to raising these rates so that people can achieve stability. And I think, um, you know, we really need to remember that this pandemic has hit people on social assistance very hard. They did not have a buffer to weather the storm. Uh, they don't have savings. When free services got were closed, um, they were the ones who relied on those services and were to hit the hardest. And they are also without rate, major rate increases because remember since 2018, when the rates were frozen, inflation has gone up by 11%. Mm. So that 5% is going to get eaten up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, you know, we all understand the pinch at the grocery store, but imagine doing it, living in deep poverty. So if everybody could kind of reach out to their officials and say, you know, you have the maneuverability, it'd be, it would be great that we, I want a society where we support our most vulnerable. Uh, I think that would be of assistance. I, I apologize if I'm broadening the scope again, but but where might something like a guaranteed basic income uh, play, into, play into this beyond sort of just simply saying that it's an ODSP or OW problem? Where might that fit in as a policy plank? So basic income has been something that has been, um, you know, in, in the public for a while. Uh, I think it was definitely put on the table with the Ontario basic income pilot. Um, it's a complex policy. And I think what we need to remember about about basic income is if we had it tomorrow, let's say the government said we're doing a basic income, there would still be a lot left to figure out in terms of design. Mm, so mm. we all need to kind of think about what basic, in, there's different versions of the basic income. Um, how would it interact with social assistance? Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't change quickly in a day, right? Right. So I think um, we also have to consider would people with precarious immigration status be have access to it? Um, would there be a top-up for people with disabilities? There was partial, uh, a small top-up during the Ontario Basic Income Pilot. How would Indigenous people who are both on and off reserve, um, would they receive a, a larger basic income uh, amount because of the conditions um, that, that Indigenous people live on, live on reserve with really poor housing and sometimes not access to water, as we know? So there's a lot of questions to answer with basic income uh, that would have to kind of be traced out um, and I think that's just something that we would need to remember with it. Uh, Devorah, before we let you go, where should people go to learn more about the work that you and your colleagues at the Income Security Advocacy Centre do? Uh, they can go to our website at incomesecurity.org. Um, there you'll see some of our advocacy with provincial budget submissions and uh, the open letter and our response to the reintroduced budget last week. Devorah, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. We're grateful. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.